Welcome back to Behemoth Exception. This week, Hallie tells us about the horrific and infuriating Chamberlain Khan Act of 1918. America had a plan, the American plan, and this plan was to fight the spread of venereal diseases by forcefully locking up any women any authority figure suspected might be, quote, loose, and forcing them to endure invasive examinations and horrible medical procedures. Yes, this was a real thing. This did happen, and one of the many reasons that the current war on women in the U.S. is extra terrifying. Expect foul language. Expect to get pissed off. We will be discussing forced imprisonment and medical tyranny. This is really not an easy topic to discuss, especially in the current political climate. So please, take care and take breaks as necessary. Let's get ready for another human exception. topic i was like oh i was just looking at why not and i realized that the post that the person had made on reddit um audrey was like four days ago and i was like well i kind of have to message her now (laughs) i wasn't expecting anything but yeah it's it's wild yeah (sighs) what a time (laughs) yep 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 all right well I guess, Hallie, do you want to kick us off? <laughs> oh, boy. With the most... This might be the one that actually s- succeeds my anger at Teal Swan. Like, it's... Oh. <laughs> oh. This made me s- I mean, so mad. <laughs> oh. Um, And it took a while to kind of put it together because I read uh, I read a book and then I read a bunch of papers and there's still not a lot written on it which is really bothering Weird. me um mm-hmm. so I had started initially with uh hearing about what's called the Chamberlain Khan Act of 1918 here in the U.S. and when I was reading about it it was a little like what is this real because it, it just didn't it didn't make any friggin' sense. And um, started digging around, and I came across this book uh, called The Trials of Nina McCall, Sex, Surveillance, and the Decades-Long Government Plan to Imprison Promiscuous Women by Scott W. Stern. And it was only published, I want to say, like two years ago. That's a title. If that. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a Beacon Press book. Beacon Press does some really good... Um, they kind of bridge the gap between commercial nonfiction and academic nonfiction. They sit right in the middle. And I was like, okay, let's read this and then continue to fume the entire oh, no. <laughs> that I'm, I'm reading it. So um, I, we're actually going to do a little bit of like backstory first. And I have a ton of visual age, which makes me happy because I don't usually have a lot of visuals. So um, just consider that the time frame of this is right around World War One, towards the end of it, and it will continue all the way up through the 1970s. Cool. 
Yeah. And then Nina McCall was a, a woman who lived in Michigan, actually not terribly far from where I live. And uh, it, it was just interesting to to be able to place in my both my mental map and then get on Google Maps and go, oh, okay, that's where that city is. So I have more of like a geographical understanding of these towns are quite, they're very small. So, but I will start you off with a little bit from a paper that I had read that's titled In Defense of the Nation, Syphilis, North Carolina's Girl Problem and World Ooh. War One." They called it a girl problem. So girl this is going to be fun. I, I, expect a, Cor- be I, ex- <laughs> I expect Courtney to just like <laughs> cut in at any moment and be like, what? Because girl I, I had problem. the exact same reaction. Girl problem. You know what girl it reminds me of? Yeah. You know those just girly things memes? Oh my God, <laughs> yes. That's what it makes <laughs> me <laughs> think of. Yep, yep, yep. We still have not gotten away from this. No. You know, calling no. grown ass women. Girls. Girls, which just really pisses me off. Uh, okay, but so... Girls, we run the world. <laughs> yeah, but let's be, let's be honest. When guys are being absolute get-givens on the regular, it's like, oh, they're just boys. Right, but we're yeah. like infantilizing boys. women always. That's true, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what it and is. Like, it's like we do it for men when men are being inappropriate. We're like, oh, boys will yeah. be boys. Yeah. Oh, you know, boys. But women yeah. are always infantilized, That's right? True. Yeah. Because we don't possess our own ability to think and yeah, mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. So um, this this paper is by Karen L. Zip. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it in the links. Um, it's free to read. Um, But it starts off saying, North Carolina had a girl problem, state authorities and officials insisted. To solve it, they constructed state policies based on Victorian ideals of morality. In these terms, women fell into only two categories, virgins and fallen women. Legislation and rules endorsed by the State Board of Health characterized delinquent girls not as wayward juveniles, a third category inconceivable by those Victorian standards, but as potential prostitutes who required segregation, quarantine, and study to protect potential enlisted men. This would have been, again, around the end, middle to end of World War I. Uh, and I do want to note that the word prostitution is used quite a bit in my research because that's what it was called at the time. Um, we're not going to use the word, the term sex work because that includes other types of work done. Um, we're, we are actually talking about the, the sale of sex or what they considered to be the sale of sex at the time. <clears throat> I have a better ideal- solution to this girl problem. <laughs> is that we remove all of the girls and women from North Carolina and then everyone just has to be gay. <laughs> I mean, so fire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what's happening like, anyway. That's why like everyone's if, getting their fucking. If STDs. women are the problem, let's just let the women be elsewhere, uh, unbothered. Well, you know, actually, Courtney, you're not far off from what they tried <laughs> to do. Uh, I hate to tell you except that. For cottage, except for I'm envisioning like a beautiful cottage course utopian. State. Yes, yeah, where we all that get to not and bed and pet cats. Nope. Um, <laughs> nope. And dress oh. for the female gaze. And what oh. actually happens is probably more like a concentration camp. Mm. Uh, ding, ding, because ding. You would be correct. <laughs> how did I know? It's like it's like the West has per, ha, knows how to do a, a concentration camp. And Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, just, oh, yeah. I've done it once or twice. Yeah, this whole thing is just so fucking dark. It's just, and it does tie back into um in the story that I told before about Nellie Bly and how she had tried to break into these institutions for women and and try to see what kind of treatment was happening there. So it does kind of tie neatly into that a bit. I just I hate the patriarchy so fucking much. I, just I, hate it. I yeah, hate it so yeah. much. Like just a moment here of just pure rage. Sorry. No. No, don't be sorry. I have a lot oh, of no. unfiltered rage lately. Uh I feel like that don't is look at my Instagram if you can't handle it, but I mean Yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, okay. So, uh, the ideal woman was chaste, virginal, and the ideal man was a family provider. Venereal disease disrupted these sentimental ideals of clean and pure husbands and wives by drawing attention to extramarital sex and by threatening the health and sanctity of the family. Furthermore, it upended gender roles. Venereal disease terrified progressive reformers not only for its physical manifestations, but also for the threat it posed to the moral purity of the manly American. The Man World War I is causing these massive problems. One, it's a giant war on a scale that we hadn't seen really ever before. Two, it was causing turmoil in American towns and cities, particularly in small places like St. Louis, Michigan, which is where Nina McCall is from, who we'll talk about her in a little bit. And any place where soldiers were encamped nearby for training, housing, that type of thing. So these towns suddenly get overwhelmed by young men. Many of them are far away from home, sometimes, often for the first time. They're bored, and they're lonely, and they're looking for fun before being shipped off to a war that would likely make corpses out of most of them. And then three, the upheaval was forcing more women into the workplace to take the spots abandoned by men. So these ideal gender roles, the male breadwinner who's hardworking and sacrifices for his family, and the female homeworker and caretaker who spent her entire day tied up with children and cleaning and cooking, was now in question. On top of the fact it's a new century, and sin and vice were being nailed to the proverbial cross of social scrutiny. Prohibition, the outlawing of liquor and spirits, was only a few years off, but the rumblings of the idea were already stewing. People could travel further and faster because of the automobile. Industrialization is churning out mass-produced items, and capitalism was king. Motion pictures showed dewy starlets and skimpy outfits. Women suffragists were in the streets, loudly proclaiming that women were equal to men and deserved the right to vote. And all of this, this is happening 2022? at the same time. Uh, <laughs> right, I know, right? Right? As I was writing that, I was like, oh, oh, I don't like any of this. No. This so is, I found this is all very now. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it. A yeah. hundred years later, and we're still having the same fucking arguments. Yeah. Um, and it's not even an argument. It's just it's ridiculous. So I have these. I found a really cool archive of ads from around 1918 and 1919. So I wanted to show you what was being advertised at the time. I thought this was really interesting. Um, so Alice Brady was a big star at the time, big movie star. So I'm just going to start popping these in so you can see the way that women are portrayed. You can see the way that men are portrayed in different advertisements. Um, here's one that says the star of 1919, Catherine McDonald. These movie posters, these theater posters are really interesting. Um, I have a ton of these. They're really interesting. There's a tire ad. Keep smiling with Kelly's. <laughs> I know. I know. 
Um, let me see here. Here's an ad for a, a I think it's a movie called The Love Auction. Is he looks like her? I, yeah, I, that's what, what I thought. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't like it. I don't like no, it either. That looks I know. Super aggressive. It's super Actors aggressive. Yeah. With women. Uh huh. Show them how many mm -hmm. husbands drive their wives from the narrow path. The sensational drama of metropolitan high life. Mm hmm. Yep. These were ads at the time. So this is what's in the social oh. mind, the construct. The way of a man with a maid, a paramount picture. Like, what the hell is happening? Um, oh, let me see here. He was making $21 a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Here's this one that just made me go, what the hell? Um, oh. A big, big star in something called The Man Hunter. The greatest okay. photo play since Les Miserables. That's apparently. a white person movie. Yeah, this is really this is really wild. Um, here's something called The Unpardonable Sin from a book at the time. I couldn't quite understand what was going on other than it looks like she's publicly breastfeeding and getting sprayed mud on by a car. That's oh, no. obviously what the a, sin is that she's breastfeeding. Yeah, yeah. She's a wet yeah. nurse, though. I guarantee. Because, look, there's that oh, other woman next to her. I bet she's a wet nurse. Yeah, yeah, and she's also and like a person of color as well. Darker so. skinned, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it it got really interesting to see how women and men were portrayed. Um, here's an uh, just an ad for an, an automobile, which I thought was really interesting for the low low price of fourteen ninety five. Um, that was considered a car at the time with worm drive. Worm drive. I know. <laughs> it was like, what the hell Whoa, is that? What the fuck? <laughs> Drive. Uh, nice. Here's an ad for vacuum cleaners, which you know is going to be woman coded. Pistol. Mm -hmm. Daily hey, sweeping and how to do it. to do it. Yeah, women. The one of the themes you see a lot in these ads is basically like, "Oh, you women, you don't know how to do anything, but our Bissell can make it easy and teach you how to." And I'm just like, "What?" Well, but also uh, think about like today we have all like the cleaning TikToks. I wonder if it's like a similar vibe, right? So, like, I know how to sweep and mop no and whatever. Do you, do you have you? Are you not on cleaning TikTok? We're I'm not, not on TikTok. TikTok at all. You're not old enough. We're just, we're just not on TikTok. <laughs> I well, just like, don't. It's on Instagram too, but like they have like all these like, oh, here's a hack on how to like keep your shower from getting nasty, or like, ooh, here's a way to keep your to like easily wash your baseboards. I find them fascinating, but also like it's it's more about like here are ways to make your life easier with right. this product tool hack. Yeah, and I feel like that's like a similar is, vibe with Bissell, where they're like, "Oh, tired of using an old broom that you have to make yourself? Use our Bissell sweeper, and here's how it works because it's different than a broom." But you I will never see a man in these ads. You will never see a man in these ads. Never. Not once. Women mm -hmm. doing the TikToks, right? So it's a, there's a form of empowerment instead of being sold an idea of what you're right. supposed to be. Right, 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 exactly. I thought this one was fun just because I think we've... Have we talked about Kellogg? Yes, we have. Okay, so I was like, here's a Kellogg ad just because I think it's hilarious. Oh, it's my God. cornflakes. <laughs> That is a, and it would have been um, around the time where he was doing all this and, you know, giving himself daily yogurt enemas. So it's fine. But, you know, um, and also like holding like race superiority conferences. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So as we get into talking about um, 
what was expected of these men in these training encampments. I'm going to load a couple of these documents in here. Here is a, um, uh, this was also going on at the time, the suffrage movement. This is an ad for Arkansas legislatures. A solemn obligation rests upon you. They're pissed about these women, these upstart women. Oh my God. Ooh, oh yeah. This the was Anthony and the greatest Mm-hmm. Crisis in the history of our country. Mm-hmm. You the know, downfall not of popular self-government. <laughs> yep. Wow. Wow. I I found that and went, okay, if that doesn't like sum up a lot of what is happening at the time, I don't have a better document for it. So that's some of the things that I ran across. I have some more. Uh so everything is is different frighteningly suddenly very different in the span of a few decades and there are of course a lot of people who don't like this but what eventually became known and it was called this so we're going to refer to it as the american plan didn't actually start in the 1900s um it and it didn't even start in the u.s the fear of sex and women of course has always been a thing and when we're talking about direct influences to the american plan it started decades before with local communities, quote, arresting women suspected of sexual impropriety, subjecting them to examinations, and forcibly treating those found to be infected with syphilis or gonorrhea, eventually became more than just a local effort, but a nationwide one that allowed for sweeping changes and abuses. And I know you will say this, Kayla, at the at your intro, but I will just, we're going to talk a lot about syphilis. There's a lot of syphilis, supposedly in here i just like how it was just like women are obviously spreading all the syphilis yep by themselves yeah. <laughs> it was never the men yeah it was never the men it was like well clearly women are the carriers for this and their naughty bits are problems so we're gonna you know take care of that mm-hmm. naughty bits. there's a there's a lot of medical abuse in here there's a lot of physical and emotional abuse and manipulation there's stalking there's harassment there's kidnapping um torture uh lack of uh due process all that fun stuff wrapped up in nice. this wow yeah. wow oh yeah forward to. now you understand why i'm just this made me so angry it's <laughs> a chill conversation for a sunday morning it's fine i mm-hmm. know <laughs> i wrote this in a fugue state and i think when i came out of it like two hours later i was like oh i need a nap i need a nap and a joint this is so yeah. bad <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> uh, So, quote, the American plan always operated first and foremost on a local level, and it varied from region to region, city to city, year to year. But without the federal government and the nation's entrance into the Great War, the plan would have never been as massive or as pressing and imperative. So at the center of all of this, of course, are those beguiling devils themselves, those women, those loose women in particular. They tempted soldiers into dens of vice and sin. They bedded down with single and married men and infected them with terrifying diseases that called, caused rot and ruin. Infecting soldiers was considered a threat to national security. How could America fight in World War I if its soldiers were feeble-minded and diseased? Of course, America needed to crack down on the sources of these infections, so it did. So here's a bit from the paper that I had quoted earlier, if I can not put it in the wrong folder. Good job, me. I always put things in the wrong folder. So here's an interesting little piece from this paper. Um, An actual photograph from the time 
This is uh, a social purity campaign that was done in one of the training camps. Oh. Mm-hmm. So you have a circle of men on the outside with a circle of women on the inside. No one's touching each other except the men are holding hands and the women are just standing next to each other, which I find interesting. That's super fucking weird. <laughs> it's super fucking weird. Uh, and these are these are uh, it's the Commission on Training Camp Activities, the CTCA, which we will talk quite a bit about. It was part of the War Department that was all set up during this time. This was in April 1917. And these folks are, yeah, it says photograph of men and women involved in CTCA activities from the Prints and Photographs Division of the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Yep. 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 That's what they were doing. They were just standing there talking about how bad it was. These women, these women were bad. Oh. Yep. This just reminds um, me of like, uh, like, um, trouble teen industry schools and stuff where, oh, God, yeah. Or like, get everybody in a circle and yell at them. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. You women, uh, here are a couple of actual pages from social hygiene documents at the time that were given to soldiers. This is, at the top, it says war measure. This is from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, which is on the East Coast. And State Department of Health, gonorrhea and syphilis added to the list of reportable diseases. Effective February 1st, 1918, reports to be made in conformity with the special regulations direct to the state health department. And then it lists, lists all of these things that are a uh, diseases declared dangerous to the public health be further amended by adding gonorrhea and syphilis. So the list is now chickenpox, diphtheria, measles, malaria, scarlet fever, smallpox, and at the bottom, gonorrhea and syphilis. <laughs> it's just like... You have to remember, too, this was way before the understanding of penicillin and what it could do. So they are operating without that medication. And they don't know how to treat syphilis and gonorrhea, uh, except very one particular deeply painful, deadly way. Mm. Um, So here is it. Smoke mercury up your hooch. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yep. I love that one. Oh, yeah. It's obviously very safe couple more social hygiene documents that were passed out to soldiers at the time. My bottom, the last one that I put in here is, I think, my favorite, where it says, beware, venereal diseases, clap and syphilis. I hadn't heard it referred to as the clap in a while. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> are ruining the health and lives of tens of thousands of men, women, and children. And children. I mean, they are among the most... Important causes of insanity, blindness, paralysis, impotence, barrenness, miscarriages, and many terrible diseases called by other names. They are hard to cure and sometimes incurable. Everyone knows that only men can go blind from masturbation. It's the only (laughs) way it works. They're obviously just eating it too hard. Well, that too. It's just a secondary cause. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. They turn. They get gorilla palms, but they go blind first. Oh my god! I haven't heard that in forever either. I just this is. I mean, this is what was posted in the camps in big orange letters. I was probably read at the time. Says keep away from prostitutes, priced and private. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Oh. Yep. Yep. Seventy percent of all loose women have both. Keep away from them. Don't risk your health and perhaps your whole future. If you should be foolish enough to get caught, don't fall for advertising quacks. Go to a good physician or ask the plant superintendent for advice. He'll be glad to help you in private. 
So what I'm yep. gathering from <laughs> this is that yes. if you went to the bar and decided you were going to hook up with someone that you met, mm-hmm. you was still a prostitute even though you weren't paying for it? Mm-hmm. Yep. What a fuck it. Um, yep, yep. 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 Basically, yep. any extramarital sex was considered the woman was a whore. Mm. Obviously. Mm. Because yeah, men obviously. have no control yeah. over themselves. Right. And, we are going to talk I mean, about according that. According to the religious yep. doctrines I've been reading for Rivendell, it's, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's the truth. Men can't control themselves. Nope. I just want to eat I, food all the time. I can't I, control myself. I he mean, said that no. Jake came over and gave me the weirdest fucking look. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> he was like, that's bullshit. Was Jake giving you hungry eyes when you when he was No, he was looking at me like, what the <laughs> fuck? What are you trying to say right now? You yeah. probably never listens to the show. <laughs> it's just it's just our our angrily angry like, ramblings at this Jake point. Jake does listen to the show, but he only listens to um a quarter of the show as I'm recording it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one sided. <laughs> yeah. One one side of the square. Oh my god. Oh shoot. And then um, whatever I relay after when I'm like decompressing. <laughs> That's fair. Oh my god. So yeah, this uh, this is all this kind of this is what the mindset is at the time and I thought that those primary documents were really important to kind of show exactly in their words what was being pushed out into people's brains, how women were being seen at the time. Um so quote, though it is remembered by a handful of historians, most people have simply never heard of the American plan that the U.S. government instituted a system of surveillance to watch women, that officials arrested these women, often denied them due process, and then imprisoned and abused them, that this went on for decades, these facts are simply not widely known. The American plan has been forgotten. The book that I had mentioned, The Trials of Nina McCall by Scott W. Stern, is a I think a deeply impressive work on a lot of levels. It is an academic work primarily, and it's one that shocked me at almost every turn. Stern learned of the story of 18-year-old Nina McCall, who lived in St. Louis, Michigan, with her widowed mother, and he decided that he wanted to investigate her story further, and out of it came this work, which is just like, I've never read anything like it. Um, Her story is that of the American plan. Nina left the house one October morning in 1918 to go to the post office, and waiting outside on the sidewalk was the town's deputy sheriff, who, quote, ordered her to report to the local health officer for a medical exam. There is no concrete evidence as to why Nina was singled out. She was a free spirit, the daughter of a widow, and poor. That might have been enough. But Nina wasn't one to stand by while being abused, and abused she was after the health officer declared she had gonorrhea, after the exam left her bleeding, traumatized, and outraged. Quote, McCall protested that she had never been intimate with a man, at which point the doctor turned on her and thundered with all the authority of his position and his gender, young lady, do you mean to call me a liar? Yes. Well, I sure fucking do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. So the American plan came out of this desire by a bunch of men in government to, because they were seeing 
quite a few soldiers or enlisted men, I should say, coming in and having syphilis or gonorrhea and they were panicking because at the time they didn't know how to cure it. It was considered to be like that ad had said something that would eventually cause blindness and insanity and death. So they're panicking, thinking, oh, my God, we're not going to have soldiers. So clearly women are the problem. And that's basically what it boiled down to. If I'm going to simplify it in like the most base terms. Quote, on paper, the laws of the American plan were gender neutral, applicable to any person reasonably suspected by the health officer of being infected with any of the said diseases. But of course, in practice, the laws targeted women, particularly poor women and women of color, and any woman not following the staid morals and expectations of the time. You grew up, got married, had children, and obeyed your husband. That was the plan. But in a country at war, in a time of upheaval, women were angry and empowered. And as we know, when change comes in rushing like a high tide, those who have always been in power cling to it even more and use their authority to abuse. So when we talked about Nellie Bly, I gave kind of a brief outline of institutions that were proliferating across the U.S. at the time. They were commonly called reformatories, and women could be locked up for any reason an official could think of. If you had fallen from a moral path in life, you could easily find yourself in a cell. And this thinking was used as one of the linchpins for the American plan. Women had a proper place in American society, and it wasn't to run around town with soldiers and threaten national security by infecting them with their dirty, dirty genitals. But <laughs> the American plan wasn't solely an American invention, just like reformatories for women weren't. They were, quote, imported from Europe. 19th century Paris was under what was known as the French plan, and it was called that, where prostitutes were made to bear their genitals before health inspectors. Those found to be infected could be jailed and compelled to undergo mercury injections, then the standard, if mostly ineffective, treatment for venereal disease. And we are going to see this happen over and over again until about the 1940s when penicillin comes along. Uh, so when Nina McCall was bullied into a three-month quarantine in 1918, doctors were still using mercury as the main treatment for venereal disease, again, because penicillin didn't exist at the time. Nina was injected several times with mercury and, as Stern writes, remedies based on arsenic. Yeah. yeah. Totally safe. Natural. Beautiful cocktail Natural elements. Yeah. Add in... What was probably also just common, like, baseline lead poisoning for most people at the time. <laughs> yeah. And everyone was sick. So it's interesting to me because as I was looking at this, you know, they're saying, like, 70% of enlisted men have syphilis or gonorrhea or both. So clearly, we have to get the women out of here because the women are giving it to them and blah, blah. And I'm like, but the did men you are giving have... it to women. <laughs> well, and like... it's just. I don't know fully if they understood what the diseases actually were. We have mercury mm -hmm. and arsenic and everything. Lead is in everything. There's uh, giant smokestacks pumping fumes into the atmosphere. Leaded gasoline is a thing in these cars that are brand new. It could have been a variety of things making people sick. It wasn't necessarily syphilis and gonorrhea. 70% of enlisted men? A lot of people. That, that seems really high oh yeah we have to think about like germ theory itself was really not popularized right until, like, 
late 1800s, early 1900s. So they still don't yep. fucking understand how disease works in general. No, not at all. So it's I, I have trouble believing some of the numbers that were touted at the time and the academic works that I read definitely threw some some shade on that as well. Basically like, well, you know, they said this, but I think it was a combination of ignorance, a lack of understanding of, of disease at the time and just fear and trying to perpetuate, trying to drive their numbers up and give themselves an excuse well, and for doing what they did. If it's just advertisements, like... Most numbers are just like inflated or thrown out totally. there, or like, yeah, there's no evidence. No one's asking nope. for evidence at this time. There's no evidence. We're just relying on these quote health officials, which not all of them were doctors, to, oh, just like today. to you know, to, to say this. I have a chart here in a little bit that I think is really interesting that you'll see why I was like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> and this is not. Um, so the side effects of all of this loose teeth losing hair, kidney pain, ulcers in the mouth, terrible, itchy, unsightly rashes on the body, and this happened to thousands and thousands of women across the country. Imprisoned, held without due process, told they were ill when often they weren't, and accused of helping the enemy by infecting those precious, precious little baby soldiers. They're so the defenseless. It sounds so, defenseless. so much like malnutrition. And lice. Yeah. 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 Like, which was also a huge thing. Because in these have camps? A good understanding just, of yeah, you're in camps. either. Uh huh. So Your so camp down literally in the mud. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're yeah. fucked. Like, yeah. Y'all remember fucking Trenchfoot? Yep. Oh, yeah. Come on, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trenchfoot, we had mustard gas at like all. Uh, there was so much going on. People died so early, even 100 years ago. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, who knows? But no, so, it was those women. It was always the women. Right. The men were never at fault, ever. I don't know what's more infuriating. Even, but the very even idea... the enemies were not at fault. The yeah. enemies who were putting our people in the these puns. places. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> the, the one thing that I ran across, and I think it's a little bit later, is basically like, don't give up the men to the Huns. Make sure you're safe and not basically fucking women. I'm like, what? It's happening. Uh, I just like, it's like, okay, we're at war. All our men are getting sick. And yeah. well, there's women here too. So that's got to be the problem. There's, Not the fact that we're in a completely different environment. Yeah. The only well, because is you're at war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because as mm-hmm. soon as it's something sexual and bad, it has to be the fault of a woman every Absolutely. time. But it might not even be sexual, yeah. right? That's the and thing. Yep. It happens today. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. You actually like, I literally wrote the very idea that a woman had to go through pain, humiliation, imprisonment, and sometimes forced sterilization because of a moral panic makes me want to start lighting things on fire. And so you should. I Listen, the lighters are in the other room, okay? <laughs> I'm not saying light your house on fire. I'm just saying <laughs> find the appropriate government building. I'll figure it out. I'll figure yeah. it out. Also, like, think about what's happening today with, like, women's health care Oh or, yeah, or yeah. like abortions and everything in general, and then you know, yeah, the fact that I have to read things is basically encouraging people. Like, if you know you don't want children, go get sterilized right now because otherwise you're going to have your options taken away from you because they already are being taken away from you. And I'm like, yeah, wow, Texas, what Texas has ruled a lot of shit uh, illegal, and now I am like, yep. wow, I'm never moving to, te- I'm never going to Texas, like I'm never moving Idaho back. either. 
but I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm uncomfortable visiting the states. Nope, I wouldn't. Nope, absolutely not. Who knows? I might visit y'all and just not come back. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think we would room. complain about that. <laughs> <laughs> you might find it a little bit hard to like buy a house up here, but. <laughs> I mean, but their money is almost worth twice as much anyways, right? It, yeah, so that's true. fair, actually. <laughs> that's what's scary, yeah. Last I looked, it's like 25% more, so that's it's like wild. a nice that's, bonus, uh, honestly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It made a huge difference when I moved here. Oh, yeah, I bet. Oh, my God. Oh, gosh. Okay. The Number only downer is, is if you want access to your Social Security when you're retiring is you have to keep your American citizenship. Oh, balls. But uh, you're when you move up here, right? And you get your Canadian citizenship, you can keep your American, can't you? You can have both. Yeah. You can have both. Um, yeah. And you have to pay taxes in both. And then, Ugh. you know, your taxes go to funding genocides and you have to figure yeah. out how you feel about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, time to go off the grid. Um, <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, Bye. What's the place for that too up in Canada? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> So Nina McCall was infuriated too. After leaving quarantine, she was stalked and harassed for years. A story many women of the time told to their friends and loved ones and a story that wound up being horrifyingly true. So these women, even after they were told they had to come in to like their health official or whatever once a month, she was like, why? And didn't do it. And then was stalked. By people in town who were paid to you follow missed her. You your doctor's appointment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then she was, yeah, it's, it's, I know. So something known as what we just talked about before, the CTCA or the Commission on Training Camp Activities was something that was put together by the War Department around this time in the late uh, 1910s, so 1918, 1919. And it, quote, promoted a form of cultural nationalism intended to remake American manhood into a national standard that defined manhood in middle-class terms. Under the aegis of the War Department, the new American man would be sexually pure, self-controlled, physically fit, and ready to accept broad responsibilities at home and abroad. And of course, with this came ideas on womanhood. So we have CTCA posters, advertisements, and policies that represent women as sexualized objects, either chaste versions or fallen women. And this dichotomy ensures that most of the CTCA and War Department policies define women in these terms directly and only in their relationship to men. So these policies regulated women's bodies, leisure, and health solely to facilitate the physical and moral fitness of men. Yep, cool, cool. Yep, yep, it's cool, it's fine. That's why I have a problem even even boiling down to like a lot of, even now, a lot of media where women's stories are used as just a prop to further a man's story. And I was like, yeah. no, yep. mm-hmm. we're not doing this. They're called refrigerator women. No. So anyways. No, it's a term. Um, there's a great Catherine Valente book uh, I think it's a set of short stories, ca- I think, called Refrigerator Women or something along those lines. I'll have to find it. Um, so when the CTCA tried to tackle venereal disease in these dirty, awful soldier encampments, it focused heavily on the red light districts nearby. Because those red light districts, a lot of the times before the soldiers moved in, the towns didn't really care that there was a red light district. They just kind oh. of... 
ignored it and then all of a sudden it's just like any other moral panic all of a sudden people get riled up about something and that's like we have to go and take care of this it's a problem when it's like what's well, always been there why is it all of a sudden a problem oh because someone told you it was a problem mm -hmm. and you're too easily influenced and yes. gotcha yeah yeah so they considered <laughs> They considered prostitutes were the main source of infection of these innocent young men. So the mm. CTCA then joins forces with anti-prostitution crusaders and focus primarily on the social purity to, in an attempt to stem the tide. Then we get anti-vice legislation that gets passed. But then the CTCA finds itself thwarted by the lack of power that it had over the women themselves. Because the women would simply abandon the red light districts and the men would follow. <laughs> supply and demand. Yeah. Literally supply and demand. And they're Steph all throwing their hands up. Yeah. I still yeah. can't believe we haven't learned that like sex work will always be it has an always option. existed. It will mm -hmm. always there will always be a need for sex work. There will always be people who patronize sex work and people who are yeah. willing to do sex work. And the best way to deal with that is to um, make sex work safe. Yep. Yep. That's Sorry. what people Page. were saying when Page went down. No. Nope. Yeah. If you, uh, <laughs> if you don't want to, if you don't agree with sex work, don't do it. Don't patronize it. Um, exactly. Mind your own fucking business. Yeah. It's, really it's just like difficult. abortions. You don't like abortions? Don't have one. Don't have one. Yep. Ugh. So, in 1918, the same year Nina McCall was locked up, Congress enacted legislation that strengthened the CTCA. And then on January 9th, 1918, here we come full circle, back to the original thing I had found out about, it passed the chamberlain Con Act. Quote, the act, was, act created the Interdepartmental Social Hygiene Board, or the ISHB, and provided the board funds to distribute to the states for the purpose of controlling the spread of venereal disease. This is a very American idea where it's like, well, the federal government does a thing, and then it says states' rights and throws its hands up and throws a bunch of money at these states and lets the states do whatever the fuck they want. Mm -hmm. Which was a big problem when they did this in particular. So Congress intends the act to preserve the manpower of the United States by protecting soldiers from diseased civilians. In its manual, the board regarded prostitutes, both female and male, as a national liability and blamed them for the spread of venereal disease. Every soldier with venereal disease, the army concluded, had contracted his infection from a civilian source. Thus, the national government was obliged to help the states prevent, treat, and control such infections. The act ugh, specifically empowered the Secretary of War and the Secretary of the Navy to assist states in identifying, isolating, quarantining, treating, and institutionalizing ugh, any civilian who presented a threat to the armed forces. Ew. Because wow. nationalism. <laughs> yep. Ew. Ew. Yep, it's real gross. Okay, we're going to get even grosser if you're ready. Second half is the worst. Uh, the ISHB manual discussed the problem of camp girls at length. So the War Department began to build detention houses and detention hospitals, quote, where all women and girls, except hardened cases who were arrested, may be held while awaiting trial to be studied and treated medically. Studied. 
What is a hardened case? What is a hardened Uh, case? Women who were in, who were going to jail for like murder. Uh, Oh, okay. 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 What? Okay. Yep. hmm. You see the scope of this now? So it, it basically, the permission was if I'm a man and I am, I suspect doesn't matter. It's what they're doing in Texas. If I suspect that woman down there is a whore, I can report her and get her locked up. All I have to do is report her. I hate it. Uh, yeah, that's and that's what they're doing in Texas right now. It's basically like if I think that that woman is in a car and she's leaving the state to go get an abortion, I can report her and have her oh. arrested and tried. Just say so, you hate women. To say you hate women and fucking invest in right. some test tubes. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. 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 That's exactly what's going on. We have not changed at all. We have not I- evolved as a society at all. And I think that realization, I, I've always known that, but when I was looking at these documents and I'm going, these words are, it's what you said, Courtney. It's like, this is the same shit. Yep. It's, 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 I just, I know, I know. So now you know why I was even more angry. It has succeeded. Teal Swan is my anger point. Just wait till we hit our second anti-communist uh, kick here shortly. Oh yeah. McCarthy will come back real it's quick. It's going to come back real good. Um, yeah. We're going to have another red scare. Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. So. Then, uh, after all of this, another act of Congress made it a crime to prostitute within a five-mile zone of the training camps, with a conviction bringing a fine of $1,000. Today, that is almost $18,000. Or an imprisonment for one year. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, You saw all of those posters. We'll have some of those documents. A lot of them are from, like, the Library of Congress and stuff, so they're they're free to use. Uh, All of those those posters are like, don't fuck a whore. I'm like, what? Okay. So all of this is happening. Go back to your roots. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I mean, jail. Courtney's in jail. Courtney's in jail. (laughs) Nope, that got me. That got me. Oh my God. Yeah, go back to the farm, you fucking Jesus. Just go back to fucking Um, sheep. Just go back to it. Just go back to using your left hand and calling it the stranger. Jesus Christ. Like, um it's effective come on guys it's effective there you go it's like sit it's on like, your hand make it go to sleep for a while yeah. and then you're really I having was a fun just time. gonna say <laughs> you want a strange person so in proud. your bed sit on your hand um, <laughs> there's a statement <laughs> uh, oh my god that was so good it's fine we're fine it's fine it's we're fine obviously so all of it- <laughs> very healthy we are we're well adjusted folks on here trauma don't know her oh don't know her <laughs> i don't know her um so I all of this is happening sexual relations sorry uh <laughs> oh my god you know what you know what i yeah i can't even if that was the worst thing a president ever did then we're in trouble like I, I mean, know. it's not. It's not the worst thing a president ever did. No, no, but they much act like it. But yeah, you know. yeah. Obama wore a tan suit and put Dijon mustard on his sandwich, and Bill Clinton got a blowy. 
Those are clearly the worst things you could have ever To be fair, Bill Clinton exercised his power over a young, impressionable individual. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Not to minimize what happened to Monica. No, not at all. Even that is not the worst thing a president ever did. (laughs) But think of the morals. How did we get here? But the morals (laughs) on the children. Oh, my God. Uh, So. Oh, so, yeah. All of this is happening while the world is literally at war. So the U.S. spends time, money, and effort to imprison women they thought were infecting soldiers instead of using all of that to bolster the war effort, which seems totally rational. This is definitely the most pressing pressing issue. It was the most. Yep, absolutely. So here's where I started to really question the numbers. Uh, Quote, over 80,000 cases of venereal disease were recorded in the U.S. Army between September 1917 and June 1918. Incidences of venereal disease were the highest in newly enlisted men. 85% of the incidences came from the civilian population, and only 15% were contracted after enlistment. And I went, that doesn't add up. No. Mm-mm. At all. No. Yeah. This paper really called shade on a lot of this. Army officials insisted that venereal disease kept more men from the trenches in Europe than battle wounds. And Bull again. fucking oh. shit. Bull fucking shit. Like Nathan said, trench foot! Yeah. French yeah. foot, which was totally preventable if they hadn't bought shitty boots for the people mm-hmm. and then forced them to continue wearing them. But let's lock up all the women back home. Yep. Because yep. that's cheaper and easier, obviously. And so not for a anyone, human rights violation in any way, shape, or form. Not in any way, shape, or form. So for anyone who hasn't seen some of the pictures of the trenches in World War One, if you can handle it, I encourage you to go look that up. It was it's, awful. It's it was fucking gross, brutal. Yeah. It was yeah. brutal. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of men died not from, they they got gassed, they got bayoneted, or they got sick and died of of gangrene and awful rotting diseases because of the conditions. It was not fucking syphilis. Mm-mm. No. Syphilis can kill you, but it takes years <laughs> to yeah, do that. Decades. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, your brain goes eventually, but you, there are lots of other signs before that. You're, yeah, you can obviously continue to murder other people while you have syphilis, and it's fine. <laughs> like, what? we don't have to take we don't have to take our soldiers off the front lines just because they have syphilis. My yeah, God. you can still yeah. put a gun into their hand. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. your it's fingers fine. not falling off; it's your nose. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what? You're probably going to be more effective if you can't use your dick. Like, you're not going to try and fuck your other soldiers (laughs) in the trenches. Oh, my God. I'm so upset right now. Do you want to take a break? I need a minute. Yeah, it's fine. I need to pour my coffee. I do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I I know. Kittens or something for a minute. I'm just. Oh, yay. Kittens. Kittens, hold on. I'll put some pictures of my cat in the chat. Yes. Because they are sweet babies. I have a sad story to tell where my coworker's cat has had kittens and I can't bring any home. Oh, <laughs> I mean, well, we want a baby. <laughs> Kila's like, I am not for you bringing these kittens home. <laughs> but, like, also, I understand your pain. But look at oh this. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm just Googling pictures one. of kittens. So, like, my I friend, love so that's him. not one of her kittens because these ones are only a couple weeks old. But that's that's what they look like. That's what they'll look like in a couple weeks. Mm. 
their mom is very beautiful. Okay. I'm just finding a cute kid. Oh my goodness. Look at this sweet old lady. Oh, I know I should, my old lady. I went to a uh, New Year's Eve party and there were cats. So obviously I just hung out with cats. Um, of course. And they had a big black cat who was probably about the size of Titian, maybe a bit, little bit bigger, whose name was Chairman Meow. Oh my <laughs> God. And he's 19. And like... Oh. So he doesn't look 19 or act 19. He acts like he's like seven and he just wants to cuddle. He just wanted to hang out with everybody. And um, I was really upset because the owner, like I'm at her house and she's like, oh yeah, that's Chairman Meow. He's 19. This is probably his last year. And my my sister-in-law was there with me and she looks at me. She's like, she says that every year and every year Chairman (laughs) Meow lives. Because she saw me get upset. Oh, she's like every year he keeps going. So I don't know that he's actually 19, but here we are. And Chairman Meow is an angel. I love him. Also, they um, they have found something where they think that they can extend the life of cats to like 30 years now. What? Yeah. uh, Cat life. What? Extension vaccine. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's to help prevent kidney issues because that's usually what cats right. die from, right? Yep. So um, also the person who has made the breakthrough, his last name is Miyazaki. So bless the Miyazaki clan. They are <laughs> icons. They are amazing and we love them. Um, yeah. So they're trying to, they're still testing it, but they're hoping that it'll help like extend the life of our pets. And how wow. lovely would that be to have 30-year-old cats? That would, you know what? As much as I love that, that would fucking break my heart to have a cat for 30 years of my life and then lose I mean, them. That I, would rip me to shreds. I was absolutely devastated when I lost Lucifer. Um, but I would honestly, like, I would honestly do that. <sighs> like, he is... So good. He was following me around Aww. yesterday. He's just like the sweetest baby. He comes He's the best. Called. The best boy. He's very good. He's not in here right now. He does not come out when I'm recording. Best boy. Sometimes he sits behind me and guards the door. Oh. <laughs> He's, my, He's my guard cat. Anyway. That's so sweet. Okay. I feel a little better now. <laughs> Okay, good. <laughs> I was getting very yeah. heated because I'm just it drawing was parallels lot. between like our current situation and life, and then also mm-hmm. like what's happening in Palestine. And I just needed yeah, a minute. It's bad. I know. I know. Look at these two licking each other. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. That's so sweet. I got this. The that last picture of beans. I got this fuzzy bed off Poshmark. It was brand new. And she always burrows. And I was like, well, it's great because it's squishy and fuzzy. Took her about three weeks. And now she's in there snoring right now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, she's Um, happy. I got a weighted blanket for Christmas. And it's amazing. And it's that soft Sherpa. And the cats just come neat on it. (laughs) Um, This is, these are the two cats I met. Well, two of them are these first two are mine, but then I also included the cats I saw when I went to the. Oh, oh yeah, I just saw Hadfield and Titian are best friends, and I think that Titian will need a replacement friend. Um, 
Also, yeah. When did say, when did Hatfield move over to you to you guys? He's been when with we us moved into since our new place. Oh? Okay, gotcha. Oh, six yeah, six months ago. Yeah. yeah, a little over, like uh, nine months. His little face. He's very he's very happy here. He is very much a pain in my assholes. Um, <laughs> you're, you're multiple assholes. Yeah, he is pain in my assholes. <laughs> Um, but I love him. He likes to cuddle and eat my hair. So, Aww. and then my sister for Christmas had Jake and I Bob's burgered. Oh <laughs> my god! god. That. So that was my Christmas <laughs> present from my sister. Because she and her husband have one as well, and I was saying how much I loved it, and so she got that's me one. She's like, "I owe you a print. So Here's the picture." Oh my Aww. god, that's so cute. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. Okay. Cat break helped. <laughs> the help. Okay. All right. We were talking about numbers that don't add up. Numbers that don't add up. Numbers mm-hmm. that don't add up. So I find that whole thing of like army officials insisted that venereal disease kept more men from the trenches in Europe than battle wounds. It's just like, no, it's disturbingly telling of the mindset and it's deeply hypocritical on a number of levels. According to Stern's book, many women who were locked away were falsely accused. And I don't trust the army numbers and reporting from this time, things saying like 85% of newly enlisted men were infected with syphilis and or gonorrhea. The numbers were likely higher than they are today, even though STIs seem to be coming back around in fashion, if you want to say it that way. Um, (laughs) Condoms! Condoms! You idiots! Use them! Please! Yep. Yep. Ba- at the basis level, please use them. You've got no excuse of not being educated, you but then again, no in the States, excuse. that's not mandatory. No, <laughs> and no, no, because we still teach like that, you know, people can, you can get pregnant and all. It's just, it's just they focus it's on just, pregnancy and not STIs, though. Not I will be honest. the health of it, right. Right. It's always like, just don't have sex so you don't get pregnant. And that's kind yeah. of the end of this. You're really going to tell teenagers to not have sex. Oh, come on. Like, me I mean, they keep trying. It, yeah. Yeah. Despite the evidence that it doesn't it's work. Working. Yeah. yeah. Get regular. Get, get, please use condoms. Double up on your birth control. Triple up on your birth control. Uh, that's don't, how I managed to say Don't safe. double up on your condoms. Don't double your condoms. Don't, but, you yeah. know, use a condom, use a pill. Water-based lube. There you go. And um, get checks regularly, even if you're with a steady partner. Like, get, get your STIs once a, once a year when you go in for your little your little scrapey scrape, and you'll be fine. Scrapey scrape. Scrapey scrape. Yep. So, yeah, we, I mean, we know all of that now. You just r- literally just rattled it all off. We know so much more about sexual health and STIs from how they're contracted to how they're prevented and treated. So I take these supposed numbers with a giant grain of salt. But also, if only 15% of enlisted men were infected, then camp girls weren't actually as big of a problem as they claimed because camp girls were basically soldier groupies. Yeah. And would follow the soldiers from camp to camp. Those people did exist. So if the camp girls are only fucking the enlisted men, then why aren't the rates of STIs higher with the enlisted men if the women are the ones carrying the STIs? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any fucking sense. No. Just on a baseline logic level. 
So then we have this fun little factoid, quote, it was presumed that the sexual impulses of men uh, were not a more moral character fault in them, but an expected, though undesirable, consequence of war. So they didn't want to fuck until they got into war. Yeah, that, uh, that, that's exactly how that works. That's totally okay. it. Yep. That's how I've always known it to be. And that's why your skirt cannot go above your knees. Correct. Yep. Yep. There's also a great book on skirts that I highly recommend just about that <laughs> fashion piece. It's really interesting. And it does tie into the, what you just said. Um, so those silly men, you know, they're just swayed by a pretty face. But then doesn't that mean they also have fault in the whole thing? Clearly yeah, logic plays they can't no role here. Yeah. Correct. So here's, oh, Courtney's coming back. I'm here. Hi. Wait? Oh, Hi. So here's this interesting little table that came out of that paper that I quoted at the very beginning. I thought this was very uh, suspect. I'll just say. I clipped it out of the paper, but we'll have the link to the whole paper. This is a table of infected men directly from the War Department. The War Department? Broken down by Whoa. some of the states. Um, it says, Table 1, cases of venereal disease per thousand soldiers enlisted in 1918. Florida, 89 out of 1,000 men. Every thousand men were infected. Florida. Yeah. And I was like, why, Flor why is Florida so high and Ohio so low? Because yeah. <laughs> Florida is wrestling the Gators. You know, Florida really is wrestling doing more with the Gators. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So this brave. comes out of the James A. Keeger introductory or general statement in behalf of state legislation for the control of social diseases, 1919. Um, this is from the North Carolina Office of Archives and History. Um, James A. Keeger was a figure at the time in North Carolina. He was a politician. He was a big driving force behind a lot of these moral purity laws. Um, there are other figures that the book, the Stern book that I talked about, go over that I just couldn't even get into because I was like, my head's going to explode. If I, if I start going down the path of these singular, awful people, men, who, you know, <laughs> thought this was a great idea. Um, it's very so these numbers just that they're oh, so yeah. high in the Bible Belt. Like the places where you think of like the most religious, most fervent evangelicals. Right in the middle of the state there. Of it's like repression yep. doesn't work. Wow, I know. Oh my god. <gasps> yep. So it was that was an interesting little little thing that I found. Um there's also the issue of autonomy within communities to tackle venereal disease. Quote, state law provided a minimum of oversight, but it largely affirmed the authority and autonomy of local officials. And this was the case across the country. While the Chamberlain Kahn Act of 1918 was federal, the U.S. has always had a fever called states' rights, where states are given a lot of leeway to basically do what they want. Local officials began papering campaigns from subtle to blatant and gave talks around their communities about the dangers of syphilis and called prostitutes and loose women worse than the enemy. Here's a fun little advertisement that I was just was like, oh, this is, this is fun. Oh, uh, let me find the folder. Here we go. Where'd you go? You, oh, yes. This, I, yep. You'll enjoy this one. You kept fit and defeated the Hun. Now set a high standard to clean America. Stamp Ugh. out venereal diseases. 
Yeah. Yep. It is very, very nationalistic. Yep. America. Um, it's it's a uh, this came right from the Library of Congress. I was like, oh my god, this is oof. It's a lot. This is the kind of thing that was papered around communities, particularly small communities where these soldier encampments were. These were placed all over. Ads in places like North Carolina said, quote, diseased prostitutes are the most dangerous carriers. They must be quarantined and the community safeguarded against their return as prostitutes first by means of permanent segregation of the feeble-minded. And second, by medical treatment and industrial education for others. So essentially, if they thought that you could not be, quote, reformed, you were jailed permanently with no trial. The feeble-minded. Listen to that. Feeble-minded. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's, ooh, yep. Quote, ideally, state hospitals and reformatories for women and girls would serve the purpose of permanent segregation. Nothing in the ad mentioned anything about quarantine or treatment of the pimps and johns. Why would it? And, oh yeah, in the middle of all of this, what I found so fascinating, and there are always, what are they called in The Handmaid's Tale? The women who, the aunts, oh god, what is that? I don't remember. Aunt Margaret or something like that, who would spy on people, and yeah, there were women who did this. They were hired, some of them, I will say in my reading, some of these women who were hired by local authorities to go around and talk to women about, you know, don't do not do these things, you'll get in, in trouble type of a thing. They were supposed to be evangelizing this. Some of the women genuinely meant well. Um, and a lot of those ones would quit these campaigns after they saw what was happening to the women who were taken off the streets. And who were jailed against their will and all of these things. And other women were genuinely, like, on board all in. It. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Gross. yeah. Uh, these were, there were plainclothes agents who were employed to, quote, find and deal with prostitutes, requiring physicians and druggists to report all incidences of venereal diseases and all drug sales intended for treating the afflictions, which decimated anonymity and protections for patients. In towns across the country, local health officials employed these agents, many of them moral society women, to first shuffle supposed prostitutes into reform houses, then, if they kept up their loose ways, into permanent segregation. And what they mean when they say permanent segregation is jail. They were permanently jailed. No trial, no due process, no chance of escaping. And this continues on, even after World War I ends. And like usual, it was the women at the bottom, the ones victimized, who never let up the fight. Nina McCall was one of these people. In the 1920s and 30s, the Chamberlain-Kahn Act was still on the books, so local communities were still rounding up women, examining them, forcing treatments into their bodies, and then jailing them. Quote, throughout 1920, police officers in New York had continued to arrest and examine. The police are doing this. I just want to note. Thousands of women every year, quarantining hundreds of infected ones, the police engaged in widespread entrapment and framing, often to settle a personal grudge, and the women's court magistrates convicted nearly everyone who went before them, usually on the word of a single cop. Wow, it's the early days of stop and frisk. Mm -hmm. Love cops. Mm. Love them so much. This is the, Courtney, you might want to hold on to something. Oh, God. I'm just going to warn you. Yep. Then the New York police made a mistake. They arrested a rich, prominent white woman. On May 12th, 
1930, a plainclothes vice squad officer detained Emma Swift Hammerstein, widow of famous Broadway producer Oscar Hammerstein, on charges of prostitution. Well-off society women immediately denounced the arrest of one of their own, and this led to a series of exposés in the New Republic newspaper, which in turn led Governor Franklin Roosevelt, that Franklin Roosevelt, uh, (laughs) who would eventually become president, uh, to order an investigation into the women's court. It was revealed that hundreds of crooked cops and court officials had framed thousands of women on various moral charges targeting black women from Harlem in particular. No. Wow. <laughs> and of course, I didn't it's, see it's that coming. I do find it interesting that they would have seen what would have been a very well dressed, clearly wealthy woman and went, oh, she's a whore. Yeah, like they, they clearly are getting sloppy like, there. Someone, yeah, someone's getting sloppy well, on that one. I mean, they saw, honestly, though, like anyone can do sex work and maybe they right. just. I just find that interesting because someone, a widow of someone that famous would have been known in the society papers at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I bet she and did they, it on purpose. What do you bet? They, what do you bet? She I was like know. a champion and was like, fuck this shit. Watch this. Hold my purse. So, I don't know anything about her. So I'm very curious. They tried to hook up with her and she turned them down. <laughs> that could have been too. Yep. yep. Out probably harassing her. Yeah, And then when she said no, yeah, it, it, that is very, very likely. I would not be shocked. Yeah. So through the 1920s and 30s up to World War II, hints of reform begin to spread, but the Great Depression made many cities backtrack. The plan continued in many cities without the guiding hand of the federal government. The federal government basically put blinders on and was like, la, 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 uh, leaving local officials as the be-all, end-all of authority. Quote, few cities locked up more people than San Francisco, where thousands of women were detained and examined every year, and hundreds of infected ones were locked away without due process in Ward L of the San Francisco Hospital, the iron-barred, overcrowded, police-guarded detention hospital wing that the city had used for over a decade and a half. Inarguably, the most detailed records of the enforcement of the American plan reside in Kansas, which enforced the plan nonstop through the 1920s and 30s and beyond. Between 1918 and 1938, Kansas officials imprisoned 4,938 women without due process, solely for violating the state's American plan law. And this is my note, Kansas population at the time never breached the 2 million mark. Wow. That's a lot of women that they arrested. Almost 5,000? Yeah. Kansas is still very sparsely populated, but I just wanted, I went and looked at the population at the time. It's really not changed over the last 100 years. So um, these women were all sent to the Kansas State Industrial Farm for Women. The farm did not have running water or internal plumbing. It was crowded. There was little space for recreation. The farm superintendent introduced locks and heavy steel screens on the residential cottages and erected punishment cells. Women there were pumped with endless rounds of mercury and arsenic-based medications. In 1931, women from across Kansas flooded the governor with letters railing against the farm's injustices. And in 1933, a government commission condemned the farm as punitive, poorly run, and full of infected women who had been unjustly railroaded by police. Nonetheless, the plan and the farm continued. So it's basically like, let's slap you on the hand, but keep doing what you're doing. Mm -mm. 
is essentially what happened. And just when the letter-writing campaigns began to have some effect, World War II rolled along, and the plans started all over again in many places that had tossed it to the side. The attack on Pearl Harbor and the American entrance to World War II, quote, dispelled any reluctance to enforce the American plan as vigorously as possible. In January 1941, New York police began partnering with military men to arrest even more women. In February, San Francisco officials began holding all suspected women for 72 hours to ensure that STI examinations were sufficiently thorough, and I never want to see that phrase ever again. Squadrons of G-men partnered with local police officers in Tennessee to find young women, and these FBI agent actions were all overseen by the Bureau's legendary director, J. Edgar Hoover. This was all done under something called the May Act, which empowered the feds to suppress prostitution and brought the fight against vice and sin back to a federal level. So, that's fun. Uh, Cities began to run out of space for incarcerated women, which had happened during World War I as well. In 1942, abandoned CCC camps, Civilian Conservation Corps, uh, were refit to become quarantine facilities. Do you remember what she said earlier, Courtney, about concentration camps? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, it's like I'm autistic and I have really good pattern recognition. Yeah. It's almost <laughs> like you could see it coming. Quote, some of these camps would later be used to house prisoners of war, Americans of Japanese and German descent, and conscientious objectors. Officials in communities all over the nation clamored for one of the abandoned camps near them to become a concentration camp for women. And yes, they did use that phrase. The first such camp opened in Leesville, Louisiana. Camp followers, women who followed soldiers from town to town, swarmed in from every state of the Union. Local officials dug up an invaluable piece of legislation. Gee, I wonder what it was that was passed in 1918. And this was a quarantine act that permitted the isolation of people with communicable diseases. These towns were so afraid of sex and women that they imprisoned even more. And this kept happening decades after the Chamberlain-Kahn Act was passed. There are horrifying cases from every corner of the country, from every year, from every decade. Quote, Mrs. A, a 29-year-old white waitress, was detained on suspicion, apparently for simply sitting by herself to eat lunch at a Leesville restaurant. Charged with vacancy, she remained in jail for seven days until the local health department convinced her to commit herself voluntarily to the isolation hospital. Mrs. A had, however, tested negative for venereal disease. Waitressing was a profession marked for suspicion. When authorities saw Mrs. A dining alone, they apparently suspected she was waiting for a man, and that was enough reasonable suspicion to upend her life for years. What if it had been her husband? Like, fuck yeah. Well, then it would have been her husband would have come and been with her and then he would have it wouldn't have been a thing because like that a man is vouching for her. It's okay. incredible to me. I mean, so waitressing was a profession of suspicion. And yet who's going to serve these men their sandwiches? Right. I mean, so what other what other occupations were of suspicion? Probably things like librarians. And seamstresses. Seamstresses, laundresses, cleaners, maids, anybody working, physical, demanding jobs, who were poor. Yep. Women. Just women. Women. They were all women. These are all jobs that women get. These are the only jobs that women are allowed to get. 
And they're working out of the house, which you're not really supposed to do anyways if you're a good woman. So why aren't you at home? Because your husband doesn't make enough money, probably. Or you're widowed or you're single or, 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 yeah. Because you sent my husband off to war and he fucking died. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So after World War II ended, federal funds dried up, but some states kept trying. Investigators swarmed Alaska in 1948, looking for signs of prostitution, focusing mostly on Native American and indigenous women, and concluding that the conditions there were very bad. Commitments to the plan slowed to a trickle in the 1950s, but even in 1967, Indianapolis's mayor called for the revival of the American plan, claiming that it would, quote, result in the mass departure of nearly all the 200 known streetwalking prostitutes in Indianapolis. And finally, what about our hero, Nina McCall? Well, in 1921, she sued the state of Michigan, a case she lost initially, but won on appeal to the state Supreme Court. Here's where it gets interesting. The court ruled that the local health authority could examine people, women, but it needed reasonable suspicion that they were infected, which they did not have in Nina's case. It was a bittersweet victory for a woman who would eventually lead a life of sadness and loss and death. Nina McCall died at the age of 53. Mm-hmm. Quote, this is the ultimate irony of Nina McCall's story. Even though the court had delivered her a victory, in another sense, it had been a defeat. The court blessed the laws and practices that resulted in her imprisonment. Nina's suit, the only one of its kind in Michigan history, ended up solidifying the basis on which the American plan rested for years to come. Wow. And that is the story of the American plan and the Chamberlain Con Act of 1918. So fucked up. Now you understand why I was so fucking pissed. (laughs) (sighs) The rage, the flames on the side of my face. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, it went up. The last known case, I believe, was in 1972 where the American plan was used to lock a woman away. Um, it, it kind of saw a little bit of a, like a, a spurt of growth again during the sexual and cultural revolution of the 1960s as like a moral panic thing, but it was very much a case-by-case type of a thing. It wasn't this broad, sweeping deal that it had been for decades prior. I just, it, it is... I highly, anybody who's interested, there's some really good articles like McGill University, um, the book, obviously, I would recommend. That paper I had quoted in the beginning by Karen L. Zipf is great. It focuses on North Carolina, which her work is very intense. And when I was reading it, I'm going, oh, my God, I could just quote this paper and be done with it. Like, it's really wild to me. And then there's a really good article called The All-American Witch Hunt Examining the Constitutionality of Venereal Disease Control from 1918 to the 1970s um, that I used a lot, too. Um, So, like, the women that were imprisoned, Mm -hmm. what ended up happening to them? Like, were eventually they released or, like... Some of them. Some of them broke out um, and were thrown back in once they were caught. They were considered fugitives. Um... Some of them were just, like Nina, were let out pretty quickly, and then pretty quickly by, I mean, three months, and then were stalked and harassed. She was basically followed for decades. Her mom was followed, her her house. They put up, essentially, a scarlet A on her door. Yes. Uh-huh. 
They put up like a big oh. notice that was like, this house has venereal disease. Don't go in. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, she would, she left, got married, had a kid, came back to her hometown because the health official decided she needed to come back because clearly she was still a loose woman. Like, it just, they would get so fixated on particular women in some of these towns because they were largely women on the outside. You know, she was a, the daughter of a poor farmer. Her father had died when she was very young. Um, wasn't ever really present in her life and she was just trying to help take care of her mom and one day she stepped out of her house to go to the post office and there's some guy like okay we need to come and we need to look at your we need to look at your genitals because you clearly have syphilis and she's like what the fuck like, haven't we done just, this already this year we have done this so fucking much every single time rough I apologize for that uh, deeply angering, but I thought it was important. No, it's, it's, it, is it is important. People should know about yeah. this because yeah. it is I didn't more know about important it. now than ever. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, anyone who's interested, there's there's some really good resources. I encourage you to, to uh, take the time and take a look at them if you're wanting to get into it. I they, It could have been I, – I went long. I don't usually go this long. It, it could have easily been like four hours or so much. A shizzle. Mm-hmm. Alright. That's it for this week. Next week we return with something a little lighter as Nathan tells us about the weird and medically baffling condition of hiccups. As always, links, pictures, and additional information can be found on our website at thehumanexception.com. To keep up with all things exceptional, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at The Human Exception. Have a story you want us to cover or want to tell us that we're wrong or just want to say hi? You can email us at thehumanexception at gmail.com. And again, the final come join us on our Discord server. A link can be found on our contact page. Keep on being exceptional, humans, and have a wonderful weekend. Mm-hmm.